Hello, and welcome to Punching Out. Every week, we're here on Wayo Radio talking about the problems people have with their work, whether it's incompetent bosses or unfair policies, hostile workplaces or dismal paychecks, or anything in between. We want to hear from you. If you'd like to share your work problems with us, email us at punchingoutwayo at gmail.com and let us talk about them. Tune in and punch out. Your boss isn't listening, but we are. Hello and welcome to the Punching Out Genius Awards. I'm Ryan, joined today by Noah. Hello, everyone. And Lou. For those of you who might be new to Punching Out or to the Genius Awards, this is our chance every year to acknowledge the uh, best and brightest in our society, the people who really, without whom we couldn't have a show. We're acknowledging the executives who display their brilliance time and time again throughout the year and trying to single out those who shined brightest in, in the past year. I believe this is now our fifth Genius Awards, uh, the first one being in 2019, and they just keep getting smarter. We're, we're here to really honor the people who went above and beyond because, of course, it's very easy to be a garden variety oppressor or boss. Our society makes that the path of least resistance and really greases the, the skids for you so that you have basically no problem doing that. But we're here to talk about the people, and this year they come from all walks of life, who truly proved that there's, a, there's an art to being abusive of workers. That the people who really destroyed labor above replacement... <laughs> I th I think if there is a common theme to this year's geniuses and every year's geniuses, it is the ways in which they make the simple task of extracting profit from labor into a Rube Goldberg machine, the end result of which is stepping on a rake. And so bear that in mind as we discuss our geniuses of the year over this week and um, in two weeks time uh, the second part of our genius awards we're going to start here with a broad acknowledgement of the tech industry this is a field that has brought us um, incredible geniuses in the past our genius of the year 2022 Elon Musk really just a pioneer in the field. But in this past year, really the hot button issue has been AI. It's been, you know, what can we do with a chat bot that gets half its answers slightly wrong? And there's been no shortage of people really investigating that question. And, and somehow getting their answers just as wrong as the chatbot. We actually, I, I want to give people a peek behind the scenes here. We did briefly consider giving a genius award to the concept of AI. And then we remembered that that's not a thing and it doesn't exist. And what we're talking about is, as multiple people have called it, it's 
a language learning model, it's applied statistics, it's just really complex math. It's not intelligence. It's not intelligence. If you have had to use any of these things more than three times, you know it's not intelligent. We wanted to honor the real, um, the people who put in the hard work and, mm-hmm. you know, Emphasis instead on of artificially inflating their numbers. And speaking of people putting in hard work, I, I think the first Genius Award winner and somebody who really stepped on a rake is um, the CEO of Sports Illustrated, who um, lost his job after an attempt to, um, you know, sneak by this magazine's readership. The fact that a lot of articles have been written by people who may not exist unclear how that shook out whether it was actually ai or just something that seemed an awful lot like ai it it really laid bare the sort of background problem with ai which is that number one oftentimes a zero effort article will look like something that would be extruded by a chat gpt or or one of those bots so you can't easily tell the the difference there and it does bring up that question of is this person real and then there's the second question which is that the media industry that we have thanks to a number of different reasons has been encouraged to write garbage yeah yeah, to write things that are indistinguishable from AI content. Sorry, again, quote, 72 point air quotes around AI. But when that's the crap that you're already getting, when that's the thing that content writers are already paid often to put together, then yeah, why would we be able to tell if random person number 16 is a real person that exists? I think a shining example of this this year came from uh, was it gizmodo that had an ai generated uh, list of star wars movies in chronological order which wasn't actually in chronological order and didn't include all the movies but other than that did really well (laughs) other than the basic premise of the article it was fine it's trying its hardest okay give it an 80 and move on and Aside from the failure of the language learning model to do the task it was given, there was the question raised of why a website would want to publish such a list because, you know, everything is trying to feed into search engine optimization and people love searching which order the Star Wars movies came in, I guess. In the olden times, uh, Gawker had to do the manual labor of writing each year an article titled, What Time Does the Super Bowl Start? (laughs) Back to Sports (laughs) Illustrated. It was not the only place to experiment with AI journalism this year. I I think CNET got knocked for it, and um, the Gizmodo Media Group, uh, Geo Media, I think is... um, well, they're going to come up a bit next week, but um, but what makes Sports Illustrated unique is that the CEO lost his job over it, and that really is the mark of genius. I'm going to quote a bit from a Guardian article about the scandal. The Arena Group sport, um, the Arena Group is uh, 
the group that now oversees Sports Illustrated along with some other brands. I don't know what happened to the authentic brands group that once handled Sports Illustrated. I hope they're doing well. Yeah, where's the maven these days? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Anyways, the Arena Group's board announced on Monday that CEO Ross Levinson had his employment terminated with Manage Bargava named as interim chief executive. The board said it followed a meeting on actions to, quote, improve the operational efficiency and revenue of the company. The release did not mention the AI scandal from November when Sports Illustrated had published articles written by fake authors with AI-generated headshots and biographies. Just, I'm, I'm just going to say I haven't read the, the entirety of the press release. But you know th- there's a non-zero chance that the press release is also created by I, a chatbot. <laughs> entirely possible. Continuing from the Guardian article, among fake profiles uncovered by Futurism was that of purported author Sora Tanaka, which claims she is a product reviewer. The page said, Sora has always been a fitness guru and loves to try different foods and drinks. Miss Tanaka is thrilled to bring her fitness and nutritional expertise to the product reviews team and promises to bring you nothing but the best of the best. Tanaka is not a real person. The least suspicious thing you could put in there is loves to try different foods and drinks. I am a human. I like to try different (laughs) foods and drinks. I have skin. Me poop. You got to admire the... Clearly, we all know what things should look like, and that's as far as investigating that anybody does. Like, you put up a picture, you put a blurb. It doesn't even matter if the words are in the right order. If it looks okay, then people will buy it. Because clearly, people bought this for, for quite some time. Which is annoying, because it's garbage. Sports Illustrated came to our attention a few years ago, I, I think around the time of our first Genius Awards, because they decided to effectively throw away the thing that made Sports Illustrated something that people read and enjoyed for decades, which was, you know, it's brand for really quality journalism and, you know, quality photography, XYZ, and instead, like, become a place where high schoolers were posting game reports in order to feed the content mill, resorting to AI and language learning models to fill the content mill is just a continuation of that strategy of quantity over quality of, you know, attaching a once respected name to junk. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty emblematic of, I know I'm usually the the individual moralist on here, but it is pretty emblematic of sort of what we've allowed our media to become. Because yes, there is the business of corporate takeovers and so on, but you can't tell me that we're rewarding the outlets that are doing quality journalism either, okay? Nobody is like going out of their way to stick up. Most people are perfectly happy with having sites that just confirm what they already believed and stroke their egos as sports fans. That's all they actually wanted. They for they didn't give a damn about like Jeff Francoeur being uh, having an incredible start to his rookie year. They pretended to at the time because they knew it made them sound smart. Now they can be honest; they don't care. And unfortunately, the few outlets that are trying to do something better have such a small reach that it's 
it's very difficult. It, it, it feels very bimodal. Either you are engaged with the places that are still doing good journalism, or you have content mill Drek on deck all the time. This Guardian article ends with the note that uh, the new CEO of Sports Illustrated uh, is the founder of the company behind the five-hour energy drink product. So I'm sure he'll do a wonderful job managing a magazine. One thing we know about that guy is he's going to be working around the clock. AI really the central story of tech this year. Um, This headline from CNN in June, 42% of CEOs say AI could destroy humanity in five to 10 years. Quoting from the article here, 42% of CEOs surveyed at the Yale CEO Summit this week say AI has the potential to destroy humanity five to ten years from now, according to survey results shared exclusively with CNN. This survey includes responses from 119 CEOs from a cross-section of business, including Walmart CEO Doug McMillian, Coca-Cola CEO James Quincy, the leaders of IT companies like Xerox and Zoom, as well as CEOs from pharmaceutical media and marketing. Presumably, it also includes some CEOs who are actively working on AI projects and who aren't about to let their fear that this might result in the end of the world uh, stop them. Yeah. Also, you want more proof that People who are this rich and powerful uh, in business don't read and don't engage with anything. The literal like last half century of science fiction is nothing but warning us about computers taking over. How has not a single one of these people seen the Terminator? Like all the William Gibson books no, are out there. I think the problem exist. is the Matrix is here. Like we've done this over and over again. No, the problem is they did see the Terminator and they're like, that's a documentary. That's actually happening right now. Instead of what we have, which is a computer that can just type out a sentence using predictive text. Like, that's it. That's what we're at. Yeah. There's, I mean, a lot going on, right? There are like people who think the Terminator is something to strive for and uh, think, boy, it'd be cool if we created a Terminator, right? And there's also like a level of marketing here Mm -hmm. where people who have AI products want to sell you on the potential of a machine that can currently shoddily do fifth graders homework, you know, but you can't get major investment if you're selling the homework bot. It needs to be something that is going to revolutionize the world, is going to change the way we do business. Like the metaverse, for example. Yeah. Yeah, NFTs. All of those things. Yeah, no, Ryan, you're you're onto something because, yeah, there's a ton of money in police murder dogs, robots. But, you know, there's only so much you can squeeze out of a fifth grader as far as getting their, their pennies so you got to go after the big bucks. And sadly, the big bucks are in the let's kill everybody category of, of technology. As they always have been. I see the number here that says only 13% of these CEOs that were surveyed at the CEO summit, which is almost as good as the Australian property summit, uh, said that the potential opportunity of AI is overstated, which 
tells you two things. One, that yes, they are all kind of being pressured towards saying that this is life-changing. There's the quote-unquote godfather of AIs in here saying he feels he should blow the whistle about how we stop these things getting control over us, which, dude, if you're truly so involved in this, you should know better. But it also tells you how idiotic these people are as a class that they are believing the hype to this extent. Like, yes, they're all peer pressuring each other, but also if you pretend that you are one of these people that's willing to risk everything and go against the grain and and be disruptive, then how is it possible that 87% of you think the same way? It's really remarkable the degree to which this sort of AI fixation has taken over among Silicon Valley CEOs. Are either of you familiar with the term Roko's Basilisk? Unfortunately, Which, yes. Yeah. I am not. Speaking of idiots. It's sort of a 21st century version of Pascal's Wager, where if you believe that AI is capable of taking over the world and could kill everybody, then it only makes sense to get on AI's good side right now. And you should take efforts to, uh, you know, befriend AI, our new robot overlords. And this is stuff people actually believe. This is stuff, and not just people, but as Noah mentioned, like a class of people who have outsized control over like a good chunk of the economy. People who get like glowy, you know, photo shoots to be on the cover of Forbes. Yeah, people who found startups around making people work during lucid dreams, which is a thing that is starting this year. Or yeah, the 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 kind of people who end up replacing chatbots for mental health hotlines. Or sorry, end up designing chatbots for mental health hotlines. And boy, if you thought if you thought the homework bot was bad, wait until you see the suicide prevention bot. It's even worse at its job. Noah is referencing a story from, um, gosh, I believe it was the National Eating Disorders Association. Which It wasn't um, the only one, but yes. yes that is the which one I had I'm, to well, quickly pull down its AI chatbot after it was giving harmful information to those who sought its advice. Computers are not as smart as we think. And we all, we three here understand that. The problem is that people have invested so much money in technology and there's a limited number of people who are directing the course of our entire civilization, basically. The billionaire class. They're, they're driving everything. So I've always believed that the world is how you think it is. That sounds very obvious, but if you act like the world is a cruel, awful place where people are always going to be trying to one-up each other, then you are going to create a world in which the in which everybody is cruel and awful and trying to one-up each other. That's that's going to happen just by the actions that you take, and the actions of these few privileged people are driving us to points where actually AI might be a problem and not because we are creating murder robots, though we are, but 
because it cuts out actual human beings from anything. Like we're to get around unionized labor, we are creating these chat bots that aren't actually effective and nobody vetted. And they just said, here, this can do the exact same thing as a human can. And it caused problems. And, you know, <laughs> at what point are we going to decide that having a few select people decide everything for us is okay? Well, I think that that's the thing, isn't it? The people who are most, there's a ton of people who think a select few people decide everything for us. The problem is that a lot of them seem to be very confused about the fact that they're not in that group or they seem to think they're not in that group when they actually are. Very strange. So you're definitely onto something there, Lou. But I think it's not even this will do the same job. It's who cares if it can't do the same job? It costs less money. And that's how you end up with that's how you end up with with something like the eating disorder association uh the national eating D- oh, disorder association just going to a chatbot or real estate agents installing a supposedly chat gpt powered uh bot on their sites that can't actually schedule everything anything even though it tells you that it's doing that or i don't know why i would know about this but there are several several educational services out there that have chatbots or ai uh sort of uh applications built into them that get things routinely wrong and you will tell them that they get things wrong. I want to remind you that this is part of what's supposed to make it AI, that it can fix itself, that it can learn, right? That's what's supposed to make it intelligent. I cannot tell you how many times using one of these, I have told it, you messed up. This is incorrect information. And it gives me the same answer back. Like the, like ChatGPT did for that lawyer who wrote or paperwork for court and ChatGPT cited cases that didn't exist. And when they asked ChatGPT about it, ChatGPT said, if those cases exist. They're, they're, I know about them. This is what they're about. And just made them up out of whole cloth. So when that's the level of product you're working with, it ends up for, for a lot of people in this country, in, in this world, that's all they need to know. It, it doesn't matter that it's shoddy. It doesn't matter that it's bad. It doesn't matter that there might be consequences. As long as you don't have to pay money to have people actually do anything. Before we wrap up this segment, I think we should acknowledge one person who um, didn't need AI to help him earn a genius award this year. I'm going to talk about insider editor Nick Big Boy Carlson, who... Um, was spotted this year tearing down Union Flyers himself, stuffing them into his bike basket by his own reporting staff, or at least the people who used to be his reporting staff before he laid them off. This happened in um, June in New York City. Uh, Insider Editor-in-Chief Nicholas Carlson was seen frantically removing Union Flyers from lampposts in Brooklyn. Great. Can we can we talk about the fact that when you you said Nick, but what that reads out to is Nitch. This is a man who is named Nicholas and shortens it to N I C H. That is, I don't know if we can say this on the radio, but that is psychopathic behavior. It, it's not good. It's not the way I would go about things. But uh, I'm not a genius or a big boy. No. <laughs> um. <laughs> 
the reason we now referred to him as a big boy twice is because uh, this quote from a spokesperson for Insider uh, to the New York Post, quote, Nicholas is a big boy and can handle attacks made on him on social media, but he was quite alarmed to see the posters plastered all over his neighborhood, including especially around his seven-year-old son's school. I'm going to be honest, I didn't even know what the big boy was in reference to, so I'm so happy that that paid off like that. (laughs) There was a 57-second video of an encounter between uh, Carlson and a woman who spotted what he was doing and also happened to be a uh, reporter for Insider who he did not recognize. I love it when your own employees can gotcha because you don't know who they are. What are we calling this genius award? A uh, a genius in employee relations? Well, yes, a genius. I think it is a genius award in employee relations or yeah, workplace bicycle relations. Bicycle hustle. Because we, we also have to remember that Niche also sent a memo to insider employees saying that they should use AI as part of their tools uh, and that it's going to happen, so they might as well get on its good side, as you pointed out. But then he said, but you got to be careful because AI might lead to plagiarism or to making up facts. So, again, fundamentally not understanding. Like, your title is editor-in-chief. How do you not get – either you don't get that AI is going to cause more headaches for you and your editorial staff. That's one option. Second option is you don't care. Third option is – Editor-in-chief is a meaningless title now, and sadly, I suspect that that is the true and actual thing that happened here. His job does not involve any actual editing, ergo, he doesn't care about what AI will do to his journalists. There's a Jezebel article about this incident, which ends with this note that in January 2022, Carlson announced on Twitter an upcoming insider series that would, quote, demystify people's salaries. When asked about his own salary, he responded, quote, fun question. I'd rather not say publicly for lots of practical reasons. I'm sure you can imagine. Uh, he was noted for making $600,000 a year with a $600,000 annual bonus. How, what a big boy. I, I suppose the sad postscript to all of this is that Jezebel was briefly shut down by past genius Jim Spanfower, a man we will discuss in more detail in the second part of the Genius Awards. Um, I think for now, though, that concludes our first segment. We're going to have more geniuses for you after this break. You're listening to Punching Out on WAYOLP Rochester. If you'd like to continue slacking off, you can find all of our past episodes on iTunes and SoundCloud. Remember, your boss isn't listening, but we are. Welcome back to the Punching Out Genius Awards. I'm Ryan, joined still by Noah. Hello, everybody. And Lou. Hey, guys. In this segment, we're going to go rapid fire here, going through um, a bit of an in-memoriam segment because the geniuses we're about to acknowledge either lost their lives or their jobs, um, their career prospects at any rate, owing to 
their own galaxy-brained brilliance. I, I think a place to start here is Lori Lightfoot, former mayor of Chicago, who, you know, before she became the first Chicago mayor to lose a primary in quite some time, was noted for asking students to work on her campaign for class credit, which is a work of genius if I've ever seen one. Genius award for education, educational opportunities. Innovative pedagogy, I would say. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they're they're always telling us we need to emphasize the value of real life experiences and that we need to prepare our students for the job market. What better way to do that than by showing them the uh, venal and corrupt business of uh, of local politics. According to uh, screenshots that circulated on social media, Lightfoot's office asked teachers to encourage their students to submit their resumes for an externship program for those, quote, interested in campaign politics and eager to gain experience in the field. Those who joined the externship would be expected to contribute 12 hours a week in exchange for class credit. Ryan, quick question. Yes. What the hell is an externship and how is it different? I have no idea. I was going to ask you that. I can only assume it's a Britishism. I'm reading from The Guardian. I think it's just a made-up thing. It doesn't mean anything at all. Sorry. Supposedly, supposedly, an externship is... It, they they shadow professionals instead of doing something like official around the mm. office, but we all know that interns are also not supposed to be doing that stuff if they're unpaid. And that, come on, this is BS. We we know we know how this works. We don't need to entertain this. Anyways, uh, Lori Lightfoot again lost her job, lost her primary quite badly. Uh, didn't even make the runoff. She was so unpopular among Chicago Democratic voters. A genius. Truly. We should have done more costumes. Mm-hmm. No. People don't get that joke because we discussed during the break how during the uh, pandemic she wore a Clorox can costume. Yes. Cosplaying and a as the, the Rona now. Destroyer. Yep. Yeah, and a cape that did say Rona Destroyer on it. I like that you said cosplaying as. Like, the Rona Destroyer is an established character that we all know about. <laughs> and she of course, just yeah. went to whatever the Chicago mayor's residence is called and made her own costume of the <laughs> Rona Destroyer. I'm kind of hoping a comic book company hears this and picks that up. That would be well, amazing. She, well, she wasn't going to have students make the costume for her. Not in 2020, she wasn't. So we're about okay. to do it over Zoom. <clears throat> Moving along. Our next genius award is in the category of nautical adventurism. <laughs> Maritime engineering, I thought. No, who are we acknowledging here? What what how could we possibly find this field in the Genius Awards? I'm going to continue the chain of assists here and hand this off to Lou. We're, we're awarding this Genius Award to Stockton Rush. Lou, do you want to take the next, like, three, four minutes to talk about this uninterrupted? I know this is near and dear to your heart. Yeah, this is a pretty special guy to me. 
he just how what possesses a person to do you want to tell them who he is we're getting there we're getting there but this is the guy maybe everybody remembers this because this was a big deal in whatever decade this happened in 2023 june in june in june six years ago yeah six years ago he was the guy who built his own carbon fiber submarine and then it imploded along with like four other billionaires at the bottom of the ocean on their way to the Titanic. Um, but it's just so good. Like he put, built this carbon fiber tube with a, what was it? Like a PlayStation GameCube controller or something like that. That's what was driving the sub. They had a little like bucket where they did all their toilet needs in that bucket just, just sitting with everybody else, like, hey guys, what's up? There, oh, I remember also there was something about a playlist that was, like, he had some kind of crazy playlist on the way down. I vaguely remember that. Point is, he disappeared. The, the, they lost contact with the sub because that had happened before. And engineers, like, checked out this, mach- this uh, contraption. They were like, this is totally bad. We hate this. This is not safe. So just an engineering disaster that he just was rich enough that he could just do it and go down to the bottom of the ocean and died. Poor guy. The the thing about the sorry, let me not step on that. Nope. That's fine. The they they were told to load they were asked to load their favorite songs on their phone to play on a Bluetooth speaker, but he did ban country music. <laughs> He just yeah, just cannot abide that country western music. What a luxury experience! Like I don't think there was a window in the tube, or anything like that. Like it, everything about this was a huge red flag that people, nevertheless, signed up for, even fully knowing it was a huge red flag, which just is astonishing to me. I don't know if you mentioned specifically they were going all the way down to the bottom of the ocean in order to uh, check out the wreckage of the Titanic, which um, felt like it added a little layer of hubris to the whole affair. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and like the more serious side of this conversation or or this incident is that it really kind of shone, shone a light on adventure tourism in general. And the, the idea that people will pay thousands and thousands of dollars to do these incredibly risky things, which for average people doesn't compute. And it's once again, one of those huge like culture and class divides that, you know, our, our lives are already precarious enough without willingly putting ourselves into essentially a Pringles can and going down to the bottom of the ocean. Like that's insane. What I think makes the um, Stockton Rush here a genius award winner rather than like um, just some. A tragic figure. Yes, yes. Tragic? Is that he had like been warned multiple mm-hmm. times about the uh, lack of safety of this vehicle. Of this uh, yeah, submersible, this I guess. Structural the integrity was was shot. That they did not have a good, reliable communication system. Uh, they had warning signs, like people were hearing sounds that they reported to 
whatever staff were in charge of this saying, hey, this is a problem. And they just didn't, kept going. I want to quote a bit from an article on the subject of, with the headline, you are going to kill someone. Multiple warnings about Titan sub were ignored. I have read this article more than once because it no. is eye-opening. Among the other uh, concerns with the design is that its control system used Bluetooth. Quoting from um, somebody who had, you know, been offered the chance to pilot this sub. Quote, every sub in the world has hardwired controls for a reason. If the signal drops out, you're not bleeped. So, you know, some poor decisions made throughout the process. They specifically skipped out on, like, classifying the vehicle for ocean Mm -hmm. depths, like something that you're supposed to do if you're going well deep into the ocean when yeah, they, they like water found pressure is incredibly the high. Very narrow classification realm where they could uh, skirt any kind of like international uh, oversight on this. And it, it's insane. It's crazy. Uh, quoting from The Guardian again, uh, in an interview with the Smithsonian Magazine in 2019, Rush complained that the commercial sub industry had not, quote, innovated or grown because they have all these regulations <clears throat> and for good reason so in one one of the things that that you were supposed to feel bad about when the sub imploded was uh the death of the frenchman aboard who had been an experienced diver to the titanic one of the other articles about uh the disaster that that was the reporter knew him pretty well and and talks about him in some depth and the thing is that guy still got on there knowing that that sub was deeply unsafe that man that frenchman is also a billionaire from selling titanic artifacts among other things so what this story really is is that rich people don't just think of money as something to exchange for goods and services. They think of it as a vaccine against consequences. They think of it as immunizing them from the effects of their own actions. And then unfortunately, sometimes that action is you put yourself in a weak-ass tube, you send that tube to the place on Earth that will most likely crush it, and then you expect to survive after, by the way, that was the fifth dive that vehicle took. None of the other ones had reached. You had to be a moron to get on there. And that tells you something that has been a theme throughout this show and is really the entire reason the Genius Awards exist. Wealth is a form of brain damage. Amen. Our last entry in this In Memoriam segment is perhaps premature because his career hasn't yet ended officially. He may well win re-election for all we know. Senator Bob Menendez, who came into hot water this year rather than deep water uh, because he reportedly accepted bribes in the form of gold bars from people associated with the government of Egypt. And I just want to make clear before anybody, if if anybody in Bob Menendez's office is listening to this and they feel that we are wronging a a powerful Latino – uh, just wanted you to know, Bob, I'm right here, Cuban. I got relatives who vote for you. So you can shut it, up now. The, the Cuban thing does play into this because um, 
quoting from a CNN article or <clears throat> sorry, an NBC news article about the, the case. Um, this article notes that the gold bars in question had gone missing during a 2013 armed robbery. Uh-huh. Uh, Menendez is quoted here as explaining the gold bars presence for with a uh, quote, for 30 years, I have withdrawn thousands in cash from my personal savings account, which I have kept for emergencies and because of the history of my family facing confiscation in Cuba, Menendez said. Bob Menendez was born in New York, and his family left Cuba in 1953, six years before the revolution triumphed. Every detail I quote about this uh, bribery scheme is going to be funny, but... Um, here we go. Menendez and his wife are also accused of taking payoffs from Hannah, a businessman, the FBI said. In exchange, investigators allege Menendez used his position as chair of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee to help Hannah win an exclusive halal meat inspection contract with the Egyptian government. They also said that in exchange for bribes, Menendez tried to assist the government of Egypt with arms sales. Prosecutors said Menendez also accepted a Mercedes and other payoffs. In exchange, Menendez offered to try and help the co-conspirator here with an ongoing state attorney general's investigation. Um, this is this is exactly how Bob Menendez is the senator from New Jersey, and this is not the first time he has been accused of corruption. Uh, he fended off previous charges and was, you know campaigned for by figures like Chuck Schumer uh, when fighting for re-election in the wake of being found not guilty for corruption previously. Which, I mean, to be fair, they really should campaign with him because he's clearly a guy that can get stuff done. He does deals. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be honest. This is somehow both embarrassing and like reassuring in that all of those relatives I previously mentioned, this is exactly the kind of corruption scandals that they'd be involved in. Small time and not realizing that you can just retire from the Senate and have a long and productive lobbying career where you can get all of that stuff perfectly legally. The gold bars really make this a work of genius because it elevates, you know, standard affair government official corruption into cartoonishness, literal cartoonishness. Because, like, what else are you doing with gold bars? That's the funniest part. Just, like, gold bars. And he apparently had, like, cash stuffed in jackets. And, and like, random clothes <laughs> yes. and random closets and gold bars and cash just in pockets of clothing. I really hope he had a gunny sack with a dollar sign <laughs> on the outside. Exactly. <clears throat> oh, my God. We, we can't. We can't keep yeah, going. This was we supposed have... to be a brief segment. So we'll have to cut it short here um, with genius Bob Menendez. You're not ready for what's coming next. No. When we come back, we have another public official who is also accused of possibly being corrupt with a Middle Eastern government. We'll be back. You're listening to Punching Out on Wayo 104.3. You can subscribe to the show or listen to past episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, and other podcast apps. We are also on Facebook and Twitter at Punching Out Wayo. Now back to the show.
Welcome back to the 2023 Punching Out Genius Awards. I'm Ryan, joined still by Noah. God told me I'd be on this segment. <laughs> and Lou. Hey guys. Before we get into our last Genius Award winner of today's episode, I have a bit of a story here that I promise does relate. So I live in New York City and you're walking here. Yeah. Despite being so far away from the center of civilization in Rochester, uh, we do have a couple Wegmans locations. The one I go to is ludicrously inconvenient for me, but I do so anyways, because I am nothing if not a loyal Rochesterian. On my way to this store, I, I pass one of the branches of the Brooklyn Public Library, uh, which is named the Walt Whitman Library. Um, he is a New York resident, was a New York resident. And I've passed this, you know, dozens of times on my way to Wegmans. But yesterday is the first time that I recognized the sign outside this library spells Walt Whitman's name wrong. Spells it W-H-T-I-M-A-N. Which I bring up because our last Genius Award winner today is the mayor of New York City, a man who has defunded the public libraries, who has made it so I cannot go to that library on Sundays. Um, It's Eric Adams, who is being acknowledged here in the category of... Local government? There's so many categories, I guess, is, is the problem with Eric Adams. Yeah. I think chiefly, chiefly, we have to give him the Genius Award for separation of church and state. Yes. For secular government. Yep. To be clear, at the beginning of this segment, I was referencing the fact that he said that God told him he wanted him to be mayor. Yeah. Yeah, that's a story he has repeated multiple occasions, (laughs) how he had a vision in the 80s of becoming the mayor. What? God spoke to him. I'm paraphrasing, but that's the jest. He said at one point this year that he doesn't believe in the separation of church and state. And then at the same speech brought out a sponge to explain how you need to wring out your despair and can't go through life carrying all that around. He is, I mean, and this may shock people who know him as a former cop and the mayor of New York City, a profoundly weird guy. Yeah. I do we what's your Ryan, let me ask you this. What was your favorite Eric Adams moment from this year? I really do think it's the bribery scandal that has seen multiple of his aides have federal raids done on their apartments. Presumably, they have New York City apartments, unlike Eric Adams, who lives in New Jersey. Because in as part of his campaign in 2021, he accepted what appeared to be legal donations from people with ties to the government of Turkey. Cool. And since this FBI investigation has been underway, reporters have noted that, boy, he's been at a lot of events honoring the government of Turkey in his time in public office. There's a quote from 2021 where he describes Turkey as having like a profound role in shaping mankind. See, that's that's just like normal politician stuff. I was 
going to go for the time that uh, he claimed that he had kept a uh, the photo of a fellow police officer who was killed in the line of duty in 1987 that he's kept his photo since then and this year it was revealed that it almost certainly isn't true and that staffers at city hall printed out the photo on black and white in black and white part of me and then stained it with coffee so that it would look older adams is a figure who makes it difficult to do a brief segment on his genius just because there's so many directions to go in like the Turkish donation scandal alone could be a segment here in our genius awards. As I mentioned, he has also like put repeatedly put forth a budget that cuts funding for New York's public libraries and has required them to be closed on Sundays instead of offering week round service. He has been at the forefront of the push to get people back into offices uh, because a lot of his donors, the ones in the U.S. anyways, have ties to the commercial real estate industry and they can't abide empty office buildings in downtown. <laughs> I'm glad that you mentioned that because it brings up another thing that Eric Adams did this year, which is that at a meeting in Washington Heights, a town hall, when he answered, uh, as he was answering a question about housing, he was interrupted by a woman uh, who later turned out to be a Holocaust survivor, who yelled that he raised uh, the rent. And then uh, in that exchange, I'm quoting here from a political article. Uh, I'm not going to tell you the title yet because I had not found out about this wrinkle to the story. But she accused him of being controlled by the real estate industry. And he replied, if you're going to ask a question, don't point at me and don't be disrespectful to me. I'm the mayor of this city and treat me with the respect I deserve to be treated. I'm speaking you to you as an adult. Don't stand in front. I just want to point out that he asked her to stand up, just to be clear. That's his own fault. She's standing up. Don't stand in front like you treating somebody that's on the plantation that you own. And then after that, after that happened, after he compared a Holocaust survivor to a slave owner, then doubled down. On doing that, this article is titled Mayor Eric Adams Doubles Down on Comparing Holocaust Survivor to Plantation Owner. So, you know, great. Just great guy. Real normal. I think we can all agree. Average person. Yeah, just incredible stuff. Part of the Turkish donor scandal has involved uh, him getting the, like, FDNY like inspections of a building under construction waived you know in order to get it pushed through just everywhere you look he finds a new angle to be a genius I I also want to bring this one now that we've definitely established the dynamic of this segment as you continuing to talk about this actual political crime that he's doing and me just rowing as hard as I can in the other direction. <laughs> um, I do want to talk about this because I know this is an old story. This isn't from this year, but in one sense, the genius award here is for a body of work. And we need to talk about the fact that Eric Adams has been saying that like, there are so many questions as a politician that you can have canned answers for, right? That you can prepare in advance. You know you're going to be asked this stuff so you can get ahead of the game and have an answer ready. And one of those is, what's the favorite concert you ever attended? 
And as we find out from Niche Carlson's, uh, actually, our business insider and insider, different things. I don't care to investigate. Fair enough. As Business Insider tells us, uh, Eric Adams has said that his his favorite concert was a 1990 show in Brooklyn at the Wingate Concert Series. But there was a rainstorm and it, it was a Curtis Mayfield concert and the lights fell on him and he became paralyzed. That's Eric Adams' favorite concert, which now, 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 to be fair, he does say. They actually paralyzed him at that concert. He died a few years ago, but it was an amazing concert before that happened. Just so unfortunate. And I continue to quote from this article. A Los Angeles report about the concert noted, and some of you will have guessed what's coming, that Mayfield had not yet begun performing when the lighting rig fell on him. It's not clear what part of the performance Adams enjoyed before the accident took place. Oh, oh my god. Okay. I want to make the, a um, I know one Curtis Mayfield song and I want really badly to make a people get ready there's a train to come in joke, but unfortunately Eric Adams will defund those too. So the uh building that the FDNY was told not to uh investigate was the Turkish consulate. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Keep going. Wanted it open in time for um Turkish representatives visit to the UN. <clears throat> okay. And that's all I have to say on the Eric Adams straw donors from Turkey slash FDNY inspection story. With Bob Menendez and Eric Adams, like what interesting countries to get tied up in. Like Turkey and New York City and just the country of Egypt in general. Interesting. Those are the that clearly it worked. So, okay. I I know that with Bloomberg and then with De Blasio in in both times. The, man, remember De Blasio? Remember when he randomly told a bunch of airport workers hasta la victoria siempre? Like he just the, the, I did not remember that, but that was that I was incredible. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> I know that there's a trope about New Yorkers just kind of trying to elect the funniest possible person to be mayor. How like the the mayor of New York City is kind of this weird scapegoat ish position that just exists to kind of like soak up the the accumulated sin uh, and corruption of the city. But the thing is. They're supposed to do that. when you have a position like that. You're not supposed to give them actual power. You you sh- let Eric Adams be mayor, but then don't let the mayor do anything. That's how that's supposed to work. Uh, for some reason, in the United States, we love having these people where we love having these political positions where we give these people actual ability to do stuff that, like. Not that you have to hand it to the Europeans, but they kind of figured out a while back that if you have a president or a monarch, you don't have to actually let them do anything. They can just kind of like walk around in a fancy suit or whatever and live in a big house and say stupid things and no one cares because they can't actually destroy the national fabric. We kind of forgot that last little bit for some reason. For those of you who may be concerned that... uh... There's New not York City won't repeat this. its mistakes. In the aftermath of this 
donation scandal. There have been reports that Andrew Cuomo is mowing a run for New York City mayor. Yes! Please. Please. Former Genius Award winner. Yes! If, if his, his slogan... I'm, I'm trying to think of how his slogan can evolve the word Fredo. <laughs> <laughs> so when I was in college, I took various classes on, um, you know, game theory and political strife and stuff oh, like that. Oh, look at freaking Erica Garland over here. <laughs> <laughs> that was mean. Okay. Uh, anyways, there was discussion about how certain political positions may lend themselves to attracting a more a, a type of person for example the president of haiti and in the history of haiti for various reasons the presidents that have been there's only been like three that have a, have left office peacefully the rest are murdered or exiled or something bad happens to them and I think that has to be true for the mayor of New York as well. You have to be a little bit of a lunatic to run for mayor of New York City because it will lead you to lunacy. When you become mayor of New York City, you get hooked up directly to just say nonstop, oh no, oh no, I'm getting you the get signal. You hooked up to the crystals and the energy that powers the city. That's right. <laughs> Which Adams believes in. Yeah, and the problem is that that just makes you automatically funny. Those crystals run on comedy. And so you cannot help but be a cartoon, which actually, if Andrew Cuomo... So here's the thing. Andrew Cuomo, who is already a funny person, becoming mayor of New York City, too powerful. Second, you just know he'd appoint his brother as chief of staff. And dear God, it, it would be like watching the Looney Tunes version of Fiorella LaGuardia. We have gone so far over time in this segment. I really wish we could dig more into it, not least because there's a Guardian article which raises, I think, an important question. The headline, the mayor thinks New York gets special energy from crystals. Is he right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. That is a question that only our geniuses are asking. We will have more geniuses for you in two weeks' time after Christmas, after the New Year, um, when we acknowledge our genius of the year for 2023. Bear in mind that all the people we've listed off on today's show did not make that cut, so you know it has to be good. For this week, I'm Ryan. I always know. And this was the Punching Out Genius Awards. You've been listening to Punching Out. You can find us on Facebook and on Twitter at Punching Out Wayo. Email us your work stories, complaints, and struggles to punchingoutwayo at gmail.com. Punching Out is a project of the Punching Out Collective. Our producer is Ryan Brister. Music for Punching Out is provided by Ariel Cruz. Tune in next week for more Punching Out. And remember, your boss isn't listening, but we are.